Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. This is the day. This is the day in so many ways. And so let's remember, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day of the Lord's favor. This is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. So what do you do in the day the Lord has made? What are you going to do in the day that the Lord has made? Yes, I recognize it's election day. I am going to passionately plead with all of us to keep our hearts and minds focused in the right direction today and on the right things and on righteousness. So this is the day the Lord has made. And in this day, we will, to finish that sentence, this is the day the Lord has made. And in this day, we will, or in this day, I will rejoice, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Need something to read today? Haven't been in the Word of God today? Let me encourage you to get into the Word of God before you get out there into the world that God so loves. I recommend this morning a thorough reading of the book of Philippians. It's not very long. I mean, it sounds like really long to read a whole book, but it's not that long. It won't take you that long. And if you need something to highlight as you're reading through the book of Philippians, highlight every time Paul references joy or rejoicing. Uh, Highlight those places where Paul is talking about setting our hearts and minds on Christ and cultivating the mind of Christ in the matters of his day. And then remember the context. Think about where Paul is when he is writing to the church at Philippi. Consider the context of prison and the reality of uh, the Roman authority under which Paul lives in his day when he is talking about rejoicing and giving thanks in all circumstances. All right, so today is the day the Lord has made, uh, and in this day I will rejoice. That's a good finish to the sentence. How about this? I will walk by faith and not by sight. I will represent Christ. I'll represent the kingdom people, kingdom citizens, children of God, shining like stars in a perverse generation. That's another Philippians quote. All right, today is the day the Lord has made, and in this day I will, or we will, here's another idea, be on the lookout. So I have a friend, Jessica, who Uh, always talks about, you know, like Bolo, be on the lookout. Jessica is constantly on the lookout for those divine appointments that God has set that weren't on her calendar, but she saves time on her calendar to be sure she's able to respond in the moment, um, making Christ present in situations and with people who otherwise are completely uh, lost and desperate. And so be on the lookout today. This is the day the Lord has made. Be on the lookout. Uh, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us act justly, show mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Maybe Micah 6, 8 could be your, this is the day the Lord has made, end of the sentence. So this is the day the Lord has made, and in this day I will act justly, show mercy, and walk humbly with my God. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will pray without ceasing in all circumstances, including for those in authority, 
whomsoever they may be. Hmm. All right, let's try this one. Today is the day the Lord has made, and I will let my light so shine before others that they will see good works. And not glorify me, but glorify God who is in heaven. Okay, I got this one from uh, from Peter. I like it a lot on this day. Today is the day the Lord has made, and so let us, or let us commit to, or we will, maybe we should just claim it that way. This is the day the Lord has made, and so in this day we will live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Hmm, on the day he visits. That brings us right back around to the day of the Lord. This is, in fact, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's making. And in this day, we will rejoice and walk by faith and represent Christ and be on the lookout and act justly and show mercy and walk humbly with our God and pray without ceasing and let our light shine and live good lives among people who do not yet know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk with Mark Caleb Smith about all things Election Day up next. We'll be right back. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Carmen. How are you doing? Well, I am doing well. Um, our condolences are extended to you and the rest of our friends at Cedarville. Um, we know that you have lost a colleague um, in recent days. I'm just really mindful, Mark, that um, people are hurting and we are often um, overly focused on things political and things national, and we forget that um, – Real people are suffering in very real ways, in in very real circumstances, very close to home. So just wanted to extend those condolences at, at our leadoff this morning. No, I appreciate that. Uh, it's always difficult. I mean, we lost Mike Furman uh, last week. He's a psychology professor here. And it's really unusual to lose a professor during the school year. And uh, we've had to rally around his family and rally around our students. But uh, Mike would want us to press on. You know, he was a great teacher, great colleague. Uh, he'll be missed, but uh, we also know where he is at the moment, and we certainly take comfort in that. And, you know, I I am just so cognizant in these days that opportunities to talk about the realities not only of life uh, and death, but the reality of what happens after we die, um, I'm just, we're just, we're just right, time is ripe for those conversations, and so just want to encourage people to be having those conversations as well. Let's, um, Let's pivot. Um, the Supreme Court is going to hear an important case. Um, and can you tell us about that? Because it's not making headlines because the headlines are just, frankly, scorched earth right now with other things. Uh, sure. Yeah, there's a, an upcoming case at the court uh, that involves um, adoptions in Philadelphia. And the issue right now is that Catholic social services in Philadelphia, they uh, do some work for the government. So they will take children who are in the foster care system and refer them uh, through their own social services system. Uh, well, of course, the Catholic Church does not abide by um, LGBT uh, priorities, let's say. And Philadelphia has put in place a non-discrimination uh, rule so that people who are going to engage in social services and adoptions in particular have to agree not to discriminate. And so uh, Catholic Social Services refuses to place uh, adopted children with uh, 
LGBTQ couples. Um, and therefore, we have this conflict, whether or not the government can really exclude them from this uh, because of their religious beliefs. Um, it's going to be a big case. I mean, all these cases, when they come up before the court, we deal with religious freedom, uh, are important cases. And uh, it's going to be interesting just from a purely political science-y kind of perspective uh, to see how this newly more conservative court uh, begins to deal with these issues. But if you look over the recent years, actually the court has been pretty protective of religious liberty, even before um, Judge Justice Barrett gets on the bench. And so yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see a big change moving forward, but it'll be interesting to see how the court deals with this issue. Um, okay, so we are in the midst of um, of an election. I don't know if you had taken note of that. Um, <clears throat> can we, it's like hard to pay attention to anything else, but I think it's important that we don't just uh, fixate and focus on what everybody else is paying attention to, but that we do try to lift our eyes to other things as well. But let's talk about um, the legitimacy of the vote, uh, because I do think that the uh, the precious nature of the system that we all enjoy requires all of us to then also invest in the upholding and upbuilding of that system. So talk about the legitimacy of the vote. You know, it's it's a valid concern that people have, and it's been articulated, uh, that we want to make sure that our votes are counted, they're registered, and they're counted the right way. Uh, and, and I know now uh, we're all concerned because the pandemic has changed voting to some extent. There are a lot more mail-in options. There are more access to absentee ballots. Uh, we have a good possibility, and I'm sure we'll want to talk about this, of votes even being counted for the next week or more than a week uh, that could affect this outcome. And so it's going to be different. And I understand why people might be nervous about it. But uh, maybe I'm naive. I don't know. But I actually have a good bit of confidence in our elected officials uh, to make this a safe election, as safe as they can make it, not only safe physically, uh, but also safe in terms of legitimacy of, of the outcome. Our states do a good job of, of making even absentee balloting uh, secure. It's not perfect. Uh, there will be some things that fall through the cracks, but those are usually into the hundreds or maybe thousands of votes cast across the country, uh, not into the millions or tens of millions of votes, which I think is what people really are worried about. Um, and you know, right now it looks like people are taking advantage of all these opportunities. You see massive early voting. You know, you've probably 100 heard hundred million Texas. people. I mean, a hundred yeah, million Texas people is, have already voted. Yeah, it's incredible. And Texas has already bypassed their total vote totals for 2016, and we haven't had election day yet. And so it's incredible. I'm really, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens today. Does that mean lines are really low today because most people have already voted? I would suspect. Uh, but we're probably looking at maybe 10 to 15 million more voters today than we had in 2016. Uh, you know, which is cool. Like, right. We want we want everybody who's eligible to vote to vote. Everyone who's eligible to vote should vote. That will be my uh, my Election Day appeal to everyone. All right. We have to take a very brief break. Um, uh, when we come back, um, I am going to ask Mark Caleb Smith about some confusion related to All Saints Day, a question for which. I have not prepared him, but for which I believe every day of his life has been preparation. So we're going to see how he does with a surprise question. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. I was asked a question about why the U.S. election is held on the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. And apparently it is related to All Saints Day, which I was actually surprised to learn 
Um, apparently, we don't want to hold an election on All Saints Day because, you know, that would be at least offensive to some. So, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith, <laughs> since that was my connection into asking the question, you have any idea who the saints are that are referred to in the All Saints Day um, celebration? Even even the, for those of us who are Protestants, like saints is a biblical term. And so who are the saints that um, are referred to in the All Saints Day celebration? So as far as I know, and I'm going to go on my limited knowledge here, as far as I know, these would be saints that are connected to, um, they've been canonized by the Catholic Church. And so... <laughs> They could be anyone from St. Augustine up to recent people who've been canonized and who have been celebrated on All Saints Day. And of course, as you probably know, that's also connected to Halloween, uh, which is sort of a predecessor to All Saints Day. Uh, All Hallows' Eve is how it was understood historically. And it kind of de- you know, de- devolved into sort of this thing that we do now. But they were connected at one point. And so as far as I know, that's how it exists. But again, I'm, so, I'm talking relatively limited knowledge I, here. I know. And so you're absolutely correct. And then we have sort of the reclamation of the term saints. We had Addison Bevere on the show to talk about actually his book by that title. And, you know, the reality is when you when you talk biblically and you're talking about saints, you're actually talking about every Christian. And so we want right. people to be considering that and thinking about that. Well, there was a, a bit of confusion related to All Saints Day, and it, it is addressed uh, in the political sphere when one of our candidates for president seemed to suggest that the saints are the people um, who went before us as Americans and the, were the founders of this country. And so I just want to say that's not what All Saints Day is about, and that's not who the saints are. Um, And they're also, although the name of a professional football team, also not All Saints Day related. Okay, so it does get us into this conversation about patriotism and the election and patriot churches, which is just a very interesting uh, development uh, in our day. Yeah, this this is a new thing to some extent. I mean, America's always had an interesting relationship to Christianity and vice versa. Um, but there is a growth in what we call patriot churches that are explicitly uh, patriotic, and they're making that sort of a foundation of who they are. It certainly affects what they do. It certainly affects how they preach. Um, but they really, to some degree, I don't want to disparage them, but to some degree, they start with politics and they start with a political orientation and then uh, their faith is connected to that in very intimate ways. Um, this is a, a growing phenomenon we're noticing as political scientists who deal with religion and politics in America. Uh, we're seeing a growth in what we label Christian nationalism, uh, where people tend to view their national identity and their Christian identity as fused together to some extent. And I think these patriot churches are a good example of that. So I um, I had two conversations uh, in the last five days with um, uh, a person in Texas and a person in Georgia who um, are now attending churches that I would describe as in this vein, whether or not they're officially aligned with the movement or not. Um, <clears throat> and in one case, um, I just said, well, you know, just tell me about your experience. And, uh, and she said that she has been to several prayer meetings and what they are, you know, they are interceding before God for the election of one particular person. Um, and they believe, or she she believes, and by extension said that the, those who were with her believed that God is the one who 
elected the current president and God would intervene. There would be divine intervention today and that person would be reelected. And I I tried to caution her about attaching her faith so intimately to a process that's ultimately decided by more than 100 million people casting a vote. Do, do, yeah. do, do you see I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying I was trying to help her understand that God gives people the freedom of their own will and people who are genuinely free are casting votes for one of two people. And to suggest that God's going to intervene and get your guy elected for some particular uh, preferential reason it is a subversion of the I mean, that's just as great a threat to, you know, my being confident in the electoral process as somebody stuffing the ballot box. Yeah, I, you have to, I agree with you. You have to be really careful when you start going down that road. Um, I think Romans 13, for example, makes it pretty clear that whatever authority exists has been ordained and instituted by God. And so if people want to argue, you know, that God played a role in Donald Trump becoming president in 2016, they also have to acknowledge that God played a role in Barack Obama becoming president in 2012. Uh, in other words, uh, whatever happens today, an election day in America, it isn't going to take God by surprise. And so uh, that's different, though, than saying that God has his thumb on the scale, in particular for one candidate and for one particular party, and that he does that by definition because of who they are. Uh, God uses good governments. God uses bad governments. Those are all part of his divine plan. That doesn't mean that necessarily he's saying, oh, I favor this particular person or this particular party. You know, I think your caution uh, was right on that when we fuse our faith with these kind of political attachments, um, it can get very dicey very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we need to be very careful when we do it, because historically, when the church has been intertwined with a political movement or with a government too too intimately, uh, there are almost always bad outcomes with that, and we have to be very careful about it. All right. Um, we, we probably don't have time to unpack all of the consequences of either person being elected, but do you want to give us um, a couple highlights in terms of what do you think the consequences of a Biden win are? What do you think the consequences of a Trump win are? You know, I... Carmen, just to be very candid with you, my greatest fear is that we're going to see unrest regardless of who wins. You know, my fear is we're going to mm -hmm. see some level of unrest either way. Um, and so uh, let's hope that it's a peaceful transition of power if it happens. Let's hope that it's a peaceful maintenance of power if that happens as well. Um, I think a, a Trump win uh, would be a, a setback for experts in this country to some extent. The polling has again moved in one direction and it would show uh, that there's a flaw in the process, which I think would create a lot of, of interesting discussions. A Biden win, I think all that will depend upon how much control Joe Biden has over his own administration and how much he's willing to, to sort of go that more moderate traditional Democrat route on the one hand or that progressive route on the other. And so look, <clears throat> looking at his camp, his cabinet selections, looking at uh, his early uh, you know, decisions when it comes to uh, legislation and agenda, uh, that'll tell us which direction the Biden administration is going to go. So whatever happens today, the next few weeks uh, are going to be uh, really revealing. Yes, and we look forward to talking with you um, in, in those weeks as we progress into whatever future it is uh, that we find ourselves um, living in the midst of. And we're going to be people of faith. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be prophetic voices. 
Um, we are going to be faithful to God and walk humbly with him in the midst of uh, of whatever administration we find ourselves under. We're going to faithfully pray for those who are in authority over us, recognizing that Christians have lived um, under every variety of uh, of government structure. And we are privileged to live in a really great one, a really great one, regardless of um, who is elected president of it. So, uh, Mark Caleb Smith, thank you as always for joining us. We look forward to our future conversations with you as well. Uh, thanks, Carmen. You guys take care. Everybody vote. Thank you. That's right. Get out there and vote. Stewardship. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Having, having taken my own uh, counsel this morning to read the book of Philippians, <clears throat> Uh, which I encourage you to do today. I uh, I was reminded in Philippians 2.14 that we are to do all things without grumbling. Do all things without grumbling. And I thought, wow, thank you, God, for that reminder this morning, as we are literally going to talk about the grumbler's guide to giving thanks, reclaiming the gifts of a lost spiritual discipline. Dustin Crow is a pastor He's also uh, obsessed with Thanksgiving, not just the day or the month, but the spiritual discipline. And so we're going to talk with Dustin next about grumbling, which is the state in which many people find themselves. And then we're going to take a quick pivot and we're going to talk about giving thanks, not just on Thanksgiving Day or just in Thanksgiving month, but as a spiritual discipline that we need to be cultivating in our lives. So next up, Dustin Crow with the Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks. We'll be right back. All right, friends, it is November, um, and it has been a challenging year, but God has been ever faithful in the midst of it. We, um, we want to encourage you to finish the year strong, looking to God with gratitude and praise. We are going to be doing that each and every day here on Mornings with Carmen and across the Faith Radio Network. And we thought it um, might be fun to give some stuff away during the month of November. We're calling it the Blessings Bundle. It includes a book on generosity, uh, a scripture journal, a gratitude postcard set that's designed to help you spread encouragement and prayers to, to others. Um, we're giving away a bunch of these blessing bundles all month. You can enter to win at MyFaithRadio.com. Again, up next, we're going to talk with Dustin Crow about the Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks. Come to find out it's not just a day, it's a discipline. We'll be right back. After years of working with kids, I've discovered that teens want their parents to know something that seems very confusing. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. It's true. Your definition of abnormal is your teen's definition of normal. Are you confused by teen culture? You're not alone. Society has changed and it's consistently morphing and teen behavior has evolved along with it. Teens wish their parents knew that they need space to be abnormal. Living in this culture may look different than we want. It's important that we teach our teens what's right and wrong, but we also need to allow our teens to express their own unique style. So mom and dad, trust your teens to use the tools you've given to make godly decisions, even in an abnormal setting. Want to hear Mark in person? For a list of upcoming events, go to ParentingTodaysTeens.org. That's ParentingTodaysTeens.org.
Welcoming uh, Dustin Crow to Mornings with Carmen. He is one of the pastors at the Pennington Park Church just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, He has done a lot of writing, and we um, just love that he's with us here today to share the Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. Dustin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me on, Carmen. All right, people are cranky. That's just, I'm going to just lead off with people are cranky. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, There's a lot of grumbling going on. Uh, Grumbling is not something celebrated about people of faith in the Bible. And so talk with us about how we get past our grumbling to a better place. That must just be your world. I've not noticed anyone being cranky (laughs) at all this year. No one in Indiana is grumbling? Wow. All right. We're all headed your way. All of us. Yeah, no, it's definitely been true this year, especially. Um, but it's true all the time. We all struggle with complaining and murmuring and grumbling. And even my, myself, I didn't write this as an optimist who always turns lemons into lemonade. But I wrote this as someone who needed to study Thanksgiving for themselves, who needed to practice uh, giving God thanks to kind of push out the grumbling in my own heart. So that's where the journey for me was personal uh, when it started. Um, I think that one of the questions that frequently arises is how does grumbling or murmuring or complaining differ from legitimate lament? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, last night I was in my Bible reading Exodus 2, and it uses the word groaning, and it talks about when Israel's enslaving. It says their groaning comes up to God, and they cried. And so even in, in Exodus, you see this language of groaning or crying out to God that seems to be a trusting posture. You're bringing your groans and your pains to God. Well, then when you get to the book of Numbers, you know, then they're talking a lot about grumbling. They don't like the place that God has them. They don't like the food, the manna they're eating. They don't like being in this hard wilderness. And so instead of bringing their groans to God, they start to grumble against him. So it's no longer a posture of, okay, God, this is hard. We don't like this, but we trust you. We want your help. Please deliver us. It's more of a God, how could you bring us here? Let's go back to Egypt. We'll even serve other gods. So it's really a heart posture um, from groaning to grumbling. Yeah, I think that's a really important one, really important distinction to draw. Uh, I'm talking with Dustin Crow. We're talking about the book, The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. We have copies to give away. If this is an area of your life where you know you need some help, you would like to turn your grumbling into gratefulness. I've got copies to give away, um, thanks to Moody Publishers. Um, So text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, you just text the word book, nothing else, just the word book to 877-933-2484. Let's get to the meat of it, to the heart of it. How do I, if I know I'm a grumbler, if I've heard myself murmur, um, if other people have called me out on it, how, how do I begin intentionally moving from grumbling to gratefulness? The best way to start is to actually give thanks. So like so many things in our life, we don't just stop. So, you know, if you want to stop lying, you have to actually tell the truth. And if so, if you notice grumbling or complaining in your heart, if you see irritation in your conversations, any of those symptoms, you know, you can't just will yourself to stop it. You have to actually replace it with different behaviors. That's the Bible talks about putting off and putting on. And so giving thanks is the easiest way to start doing that. And so start a list. This is the number one thing I tell people, whether it's a journal or the notes app or wherever you do it, 
um, every day, start finding three to five things you can give God thanks for. And that can be simple blessings like, you know, hot coffee on this cold morning, or that can be things like God's steadfast love. So it can be big or small. But as you start to record those things over time, it's a reminder, one, that God is taking care of you. Two, that God is still good. He is on the throne. He is providing for all your needs. And so then you start to, it's not that your troubles go away or the grumbling goes away completely, but your view of God gets bigger and bigger and your awareness of kind of his presence and his blessings of your life grows. And so then some of the, the frustrations and the irritations do start to shrink. So just starting the practice of giving thanks is the number one way to push out the grumbling. Um, Dustin, I um, I know that there are, you know, the plenty of people listening who are thinking, hey, I think I'm pretty thankful. Um, in fact, I'm, you know, I'm Thanksgiving is the biggest holiday in our family next to Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day and Fourth of July. And right. I mean, we we start imagining that we're more thankful than we are. Um, what is the what are some of the tangible evidences in my life that I'm actually a person who is um, grateful, demonstrating my gratefulness to God, not about things, but really about him. Like, I, I, I want us to get over making my, counting my blessings as if those are things, and instead getting to the place where we are just thankful for who God is and for the revelation of the knowledge of who he is and for the opportunity to enter into his presence and walk with him. And the, uh, so do you see that? I mean, I know you see the difference. Can you help us walk into the difference between grateful for things and grateful for God? Yeah, it's such a good thing to, to talk about. And I think part of the confusion is, and I've even done this in teaching in the church, where we separate the language of praise from thanksgiving. And so sometimes the church has said, well, praise is what you do to God for who he is. You praise him. And thanks is what you do for God's gifts. But in the Bible, that those two are always related. So thanksgiving, and Psalm 107 is a great example, um, it says, give thanks to God for he is good and for his steadfast love endures forever. And so thanksgiving is something that we can do for what God does, those things you mentioned, but more often than not, it's for who God is, which can be connected to things. And so one of the biggest things, and this is really why I wrote the book, because there are other books on Thanksgiving, but I felt like they were just general. Like you said, it's just simply counting blessings, which is a good start, but they never move from stuff to someone. And so what was so helpful for me was moving from, okay, God provided a gift. Um, He is... um, Someone sent us a blessing. We were able to pay for a car bill. That was going to be a struggle. And so that's provision. Well, that helps me see that God is a God who is always looking out for his children, that he cares for us. He loves for us. He provides for us. He is faithful. And so it moves you from just seeing, okay, here's the blessing in my life, or maybe it's not even a clear blessing. Maybe it's God is sustaining me through a season of trial. And for 2020, it has been really hard for a lot of people. And whether it's fear, anxiety, relational challenges, you see that God was good in the midst of all that, that he has sustained you and he's brought you through. And so when you notice who God is and how he's at work, you can then thank him. So not just thank him for stuff, but thank him for what the stuff tells us about him. And that's where the gift isn't a rival. It's not taking attention away from God, but it's actually a, a revelation of God. It shows us better who he is. And then when we reflect it, right, when we become people who give thanks in a way that is active and activated by giving, like, right, as a conduit of 
of the good and perfect gifts that come from the Father above, as we become conduits of that, other people then see. Like, right? It's Thanksgiving is something that is actually tangibly shared. Not only that I am thankful for God and to God, but that the way that I then live in response is uh, it reveals to others the goodness and the greatness uh, and the provision of God. For sure. Hebrews 13, 15 talks about, you know, the one sacrifice, and there it's referring to the Thanksgiving offering. The Thanksgiving offering we have today is generosity to the people, so our good deeds, um, and our words of Thanksgiving. And I do think that can be a witness. You, you mentioned how grouchy and cranky the world has been. And unfortunately, that's been true of the church so often in recent months. And I think that is a bad witness because it relays the idea that we don't have hope, that God isn't good, that God isn't taking care of us. But when we are giving thanks, it, it does show that we do trust him, that we have reasons for hope, that despite the trials and the suffering, that God is still good, he's still control, and our hope and our joy is found in him. And so I think it's a key part of our witness um, that we are still hopeful people, even when we don't have necessarily the, you know, the happy circumstances all the time. All right, Dustin Crow and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. The book is The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. We do have copies to give away. If you are interested in entering the drawing, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. We're going to be right back with the Gratitude Quiz. I am talking with Dustin Crow. We're talking about his new book, The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. We're going to talk about that part here next. But if you would like to enter the drawing for a copy, uh, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Dustin, um, gratitude is the feeling. Thanksgiving is the verb. It is the thing we do. Um, You have a way for us to kind of evaluate our gratitude. Talk about the gratitude quiz and the gratitude challenge. Yeah, at the beginning of the book is a gratitude quiz, and it's just, I think it's 15 simple questions to help help you better see, you know, is my normal response gratitude or is it grumbling? Like you said, we tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah I'm a thankful person, or I'm at least a pretty contented person. And so this is meant to reveal, well, is that true? No one is perfect, and it's not meant to make you feel guilty. But as you work through the questions, hopefully it helps you diagnose, these are the areas where I'm prone to, to murmur and complain. For me, it's kind of like if you ever check your budget. Like I think I'm a, I do great on spending during the month. But then when I get there and I actually add up what I did, it's like, oh, I thought I was spending $40 on eating out, and I spent 200 So mm-hmm. when you do the quiz, it helps you see I spent $40 maybe, every time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, over yeah. 10 times it adds up. <laughs> Um, so it just helps us see, okay, this is the reality of where I am. Again, not to beat you down, but to say there is room for growth um, and there's room to lean into God teaching us. So that's the, mm. the gratitude quiz at the beginning of the book. And then at the end, it's the appendix. It's called the gratitude challenge. And really, I encourage people to do it throughout um, the book. But it's something I started doing in November, especially about three or four years ago. And so it has 30 scripture passages, one for each day of the month. And the goal is to each day read some verses that are connected to gratitude, giving thanks, or even ingratitude. So what causes our grumbling? And then every day you not only read from the Bible about Thanksgiving, but then you practice it. 
And so you, the challenge is to find five things each day you can give God thanks for, and then to pray it back to him. So it's very simple, but like so many things in our life, it's starting that habit and doing it over 30 days that really works it into our life. Kind of like you mentioned, moving from a day to a discipline. So we have a, I think you'll, you will like this. Um, because we live in the country, we feel like we're in the car a lot. I mean, it's even 45 minutes each way to church. So um, we have come up with a number of uh, what I will call car games, even though they're not really games. But we, we have adapted the ABC game to virtually everything under heaven. So, you know, when the kids were smaller, it was animals. and But anyway, we have now gotten to the place where we do the ABCs in relationship to a number of things, the attributes of God, the names of God. Um, or the names of Jesus, like, right, we could get more and more specific. We did Bible characters and those kinds of things, which thank God for Xerxes. But um, when um, when we do things like this, like, let's just adapt that as a practice, because you say five, five things, and people might say, gosh, it's really hard to come up with five things. It's not hard to come up with 25 things and have them each start with a different letter of the alphabet. Like, the reasons that we would give thanks to God really when you start counting them are are beyond uh, it's it, it's beyond enumerating yeah and we like you said we we struggle to think when five things every day on thanksgiving day we struggle to get past family and friends and church like what else is there to be thankful for but like you said as you do it um you do see well what are blessings in creation when you look around god has blessed us in many ways what are gifts of God and relationships? So family, friends, coworkers, people in the church. Um, what are ways God has provided in my past? What are promises of God I can cling to? So as you work through those different areas, you see, okay, every single day, there are things I can give thanks for, um, even things from the Bible. It doesn't have to be um, something in your own life each day. It can be that God is still merciful. And that is a thing to give thanks for every single day, that God is merciful and kind and loving. So as we do practice it, and I hope that the book is practical. Every chapter ends with some of these little practices, like you mentioned, the ABCs of Thanksgiving, just to help us see there are a lot of reasons to give thanks. And we tend to focus on the reasons we're unhappy. Mm. So part of this is where my mind is set or where my attention is trained. Uh, Maybe we could end there. How do I avert my attention from things that cause me to grumble and get myself as a discipline focused on things that lead me to Thanksgiving? That's partly where a challenge, and it doesn't have to be this challenge. It can be, like you said, ABCs of Thanksgiving. So it's some way that when you feel yourself, again, what are the alerts and symptoms in your life where you notice grumbling? And maybe it's not in your words. Maybe it's just in your heart. I think we can usually sense that we're more frustrated either with people or with life and we're more irritated. Well, that's a symptom of of grumbling and discontentment. And when you notice that, it's kind of a cue to, well, now I need to go a different direction. I don't want to go down that path of being discontent, grumbling against God. I want to stir up thanksgiving and trust and hope in him. And so I need to first go to his promises. So what are the things that even if it feels like there's no other blessing in life, I know is true? Well, if I'm in Christ, I know that he is for me. My sin is forgiven, that he is taking care of me today and will tomorrow, and my eternity is secure. Those are some basic promises you turn your mind to. And then you look around and you say, well, what do I have today? You know, I woke up, I have food, I have water, I have a computer, I have these different things. 
that God has provided. And then you think, well, who are people in my life that uh, are friends or family, people that I love? So often when Paul in his letters, when he talks about Thanksgiving, it's actually him giving thanks to God for people. He says, these people in my life or these churches are God's gifts, and I give God thanks for these churches. And so I think it's this habit that when we start to feel our hearts getting cranky and groaning, that then we turn and we say, no, God, you are good for these reasons, and you have provided in these ways, and I trust you. And sometimes that might even just be looking back. If you don't see anything today, well, look back. Where has he been faithful in the last year or three years or five years? Some of the chapters in the book, uh, Recognize, Reflect, Receive, Look Around and Look Up, Thankfulness Expressed, I mean, on and on and on. I do um, appreciate the uh, chapter eight, Remembering, Looking Back to Look Forward. Um, It's an excellent uh, conversation, not only to have with yourself, but with others. It is the conversation about grumbling, but it's also the conversation about thanksgiving. It's the grumbler's guide to giving thanks, reclaiming the gifts of a lost spiritual discipline. Um, Dustin Crow, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me on. And again, if you guys want to enter the drawing for the copies I have to give away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. All right, one uh, one fun thing maybe here to end the hour on this uh, day where there will be much grumbling and we instead will be people of Thanksgiving. Um, November, the month that we are now in, is really quite a month for the night sky. There's going to be three meteor showers, a lunar eclipse, a full moon that I don't know, It's maybe it's called like the beaver moon. Let me, let me check this out. The full beaver moon on November the 30th. Who even know we had a beaver moon? I didn't know that. Okay. Um, so the 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 heavens... The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So if people are too focused today on the things of the earth, um, let's just be sure that we need to be focused on the things that are above, the one who reigns supreme, the one who is God, has been God, will continue to be God, same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, beginning and the end, the first and the last, the living one. Uh, God is God. God is great. God is good, and we will thank him. Let us be people of a thankful heart today who are expressing thankfulness and not grumbling. All right, yes, even in the midst of the challenges of the day. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.